Scrubs yeah. is such a good show. It is oh, such man. a good show. It's mm-hmm. such a good show. Yes. Well, welcome to the Cup for Time podcast here at the Canton United Methodist Church. My name is Pastor Clay. I'm joined by Eric Stearns, and we're on Zoom tonight because the weather is nuts. Um, it is raining and cold and gross, and so just to keep Eric off of icy roads heading into town, uh, we met over Zoom today to talk about my sermon from Sunday, which was also a little bit crazy because church was nuts. Uh, we had our wonderful Advent day of all kinds of special music, and so we heard from uh, a lot of the Carpenter family and Eric and Jenna and the CUMC choir, and I sang a song, and it was a great, great day. Um, Then I recorded a version of the sermon that went a little bit longer uh, and posted that to our Facebook and YouTube and posted the audio to the podcast. Um, And so Eric and I are going to dig into that message, uh, dig into some of the things that were different between church and the video recording, um, and then just also explore the times in our lives when we've been made to feel welcome and included in something and the way that that has made an impact on us. And the way that through that, we make an impact on others by bringing that sense of joy and contentment wherever we go. And hopefully you do too. So let's get into it. One thing that I was thinking about, also a deep question. So the shepherds tell everyone, right? We, we find out in, in Luke. Why don't we know anything about Jesus till he's 30, essentially? I mean, we know something about him when he's like 12 or yep. preteen or whatever. Yep. Like if they know everyone and everyone, I mean, he if they're telling everyone, and so we know about this person, mm-hmm. why don't we really know anything? Because we can't, you know, the, the the wise man story, which we could talk about how that's not actually when he's a baby. Right. Um, yeah. Yep. And like, we'll get there. Epiphany's coming. Mm-hmm. But... Sure. But like, okay, so he's probably two at that time or mm-hmm. four, toddler, toddler to kid. Yep. But then he's, you know, preteen and then he's 30. Mm-hmm. So we know him to be who he is this whole time. Why don't we ever talk about him in between? Sure. You know that answer? That's part of like just the way that the gospels are written. Um, is part is that that's the, the biggest answer is that we just don't have those stories from the gospels. Um, you know, and like what to to really get into that um is I would jump to the gospel of John. Uh, in John chapter two, Jesus is at the wedding of Cana, um, and they were they run out of wine. It's the whole the whole miracle story. They run out of wine, and they're just like, "Oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do?" Like this is a huge like it's this huge social faux pas and, and a huge problem for the host. And it could be that that host was a part of Mary's family. Um, because Mary's the one that goes and fixes it. Like Mary jumps into stereotypical Jewish mom mode and says, Hey, Jesus, um, I know that you can do something about this. And so like I, I envision Mary pulling Jesus by the arm or maybe even pulling Jesus by the ear because Jesus gives her guff um, about you know not wanting to do anything. Um, and the reason why Jesus is so reluctant is because he says to his mother, my time has not come yet. It's not time for this yet. And so there is this idea of Jesus, like Jesus is the son of God the entire time. Jesus is the, you know, it it is the Messiah the entire time, but there is a time where he is going to come into his own. And that time is not in those years between 12 to 30. And if this is all about us knowing enough about Jesus to come to salvation in Jesus, 
there's clearly nothing that could in, that could enhance our choices or chances of salvation in those interim years. Like, do I wish that we had them? Yes, I do. Do I think that they would be fantastically interesting? Yes, I do. But, you know, John's gospel is written so that people can believe in Jesus and believe that he's the Messiah. Um, you know, all the, all the gospels are written in that same lens in, in different ways. And so what the conclusion and the piece that I've come to is that in those intervening years between 12 and 30, there's just nothing that advances the, the gospel part of Jesus' ministry and Jesus' life. He comes into his own at Cana, and then it's kind of off to the races from there. Interesting. Mm -hmm. It seems like we skip over 18 years that there's got to be some sort of nugget of importance. Oh, absolutely. That, apparently not. Absolutely. I think it would be fascinating to, you know, once we reach the pearly gates, you know, on, on the other side of eternity, say, hey, Jesus, what was that all about? You know, mm -hmm. like, did you have the rebellious stage where you, you know, you can still be angry and angsty and not be sinful? Like, do you do you have that story in, in the in the back there? You know, what's mm -hmm. uh, what, what were those years really like? You know, what was it like losing Joseph? What was it like losing your dad so early? Like, I mean, supposedly losing your dad in those intervening years. Like, what was that like? You know, like, mm -hmm. how did that how did that change? Who? How did that shape shape a part of who you are? Because that had to have had some kind of impact. Because, like, even mm -hmm. though it's not his real dad, it's still his earthly father, and that's that's important. Mm -hmm. You know, this whole point of this entire Advent story has, or this entire Advent season, has been about you know Jesus taking on and experiencing the fullness of who we are as human beings. When we lose someone we love, and especially a parent, I mean, I, I'm not there yet, thank God, but you know. That has to really play. That has to really weigh on a person in a way that mm -hmm. changes them. Yeah. So. Yeah, and just you're not. I mean, you. I'm 31, so I have nothing figured out yet. But I really don't think you have anything figured out in your 20s. I've decided. No. And so maybe, maybe that was part of it too. That he still be. had to grow into the role that he had to play. Yeah. Yep. You know? The way that Luke's gospel put it is that Jesus grew in stature and wisdom, and you know that's really all we need to know about those 18 years, is that he grew mm -hmm. as a person, and he grew intellectually and spiritually, and in his identity of, of who he is, and that's enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It gets us to the point of salvation. It gets, it gets us to the point of believing that Jesus was and is who he has said that he was and is, and you know, that's, that's the point of the gospels and everything else, anything outside of that is just kind of our human curiosity taking over, which yeah. is not a bad thing. Again, it's, I think it's fascinating, but it's not really in the purview of the gospels. Mm -hmm. So you asked, um, or you, you said in the sermon, yeah, I can't remember which version it was, um, that this joy that Jesus provided, it was, it was bigger than anything we've experienced or bigger than anything in our in our lives mm -hmm. or deeper right like what does that mean yeah i mean so sometimes i think we get joy and happiness confused mm -hmm. like we want to be happy and when we're happy it's because things are going our way or things are good or you know like i got a promotion at work or 
my wife and I had this awesome date or like, you know, we have this good news of some kind, like happiness is a good thing, but yet I think that there's something bigger and deeper and that's joy. Like that is that overwhelming sense of, you know, we know the story, we know where we're going, we know what we're doing because of Jesus. Like, and happiness is a thing that goes away. You know, mm -hmm. like happiness, like we can have a good day, then we have a bad day, and it feels like we just threw the whole thing in the can. That's not joy. That's happiness. And those are two different things. And so I think that we, what I want us to, to hold on to is the bigger joy um, because we're, we're going to go through adverse times. And so how mm -hmm. do we, you know, what, do we, what is it that we're supposed to hang on to in those adverse times? It's not our happiness, which is fleeting. It's our joy, which is established and founded in Jesus Christ and does not change. So it's almost like a contentment. Yeah. Yes. That's a great uh, word for it. What our lives are having or what God has given us in our lives almost. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Okay. Yep. Yeah, that was actually something that I cut. I ended up, there was a couple of sentences there that I think probably could have been helpful, but like, you know, there is a joy that is bigger than our circumstances. You know, it's not, it's not a, it's not a joy that says, Hey, something good happened to me this day that didn't happen to me the other day. Um, it's a joy that's bigger than those, the way that life can move and shift and work. It is that, like you said, that's that, it's that idea of being content in all, in, in, and then what Paul would add, being content in all circumstances. Mm -hmm. Being able to look past mm -hmm. the crappy parts of life. Right. Mm -hmm. Yep. And still maintain, like, we're not going to be happy-go-lucky, you know, smiling, high-fiving all the time because... There are situations where we want to, you know, throat punch people. It's it, it's a part mm -hmm. of our lives. But yet we still, even if we're not happy, we still have the joy of Jesus Christ in our lives. And that's mm -hmm. that's that's the what's that's what Jesus is establishing at his birth and then what we experience for the rest of our lives. Mm -hmm. with, with that said, Eric, um, one of the things that I was wondering um is because I mean, joy is such a big topic and it's such a big area. And so looking specifically at the story of the shepherds, I would be interested to know, like, because this whole thing was about how the joy of the shepherds is the fact that they're included. Like, shepherds are not people that would normally be in such an important story. I mean, shepherds are going to be always there, but not like the key focus. But yet here they are in the story and here they are playing a key role in the story. They are the ones that like on the night of the birth of Jesus, they're the ones that we know that are there. These are the humans. Like we talked about the great mystery of Jesus being born among the animals, but yet we know that there were human people there and they that human, those human people were shepherds. Um, mm -hmm. And so they're, they're, the big joy that they find in Jesus' story is the fact that Jesus includes them in the story. There is such a joy in being included. Um, and so one of the questions I want us to wonder at, Eric, is what has been an experience for you of finding joy and in being included? Finding joy and in being included in my um, life of faith or just in general? Yes. Yes. Just oh. in general is fine. That, that helped. Yeah. <laughs> life, of, life of faith or in general is fine. Mm -hmm. Well, one thing that jumps out is 
being entrusted with more responsibility in my in my life, whether that be um, at work or in the church. Either way, throughout the years of being an adult, which is not very long, um, and maybe sometimes my wife would tell me I'm not. But anyway, eh. uh, <laughs> you know, there. Sorry, Jenna. I have I have grown into different roles that I didn't see myself being in and or mm-hmm. or just having responsibilities that I thought maybe it would take longer for me to get to. Um, but I have been entrusted with these roles by people that I respect um, in the church and at work. And that has brought me just just the idea that I have. Well, OK, let's back up. So I think everyone has this where they don't feel like they measure up to whatever standard you have in your head. Mm-hmm. You don't measure up to that standard. Oh, yeah. And so then being included as a project manager, as a shareholder in the company, a DGR, or as a member, member of the leadership team or the lay leader at our church. Sure. It gives me affirmation that, uh, or it affirms the idea that I actually do measure up to, to um, maybe what I'm supposed to be. Yeah. Or what I what I have an idea in my head of what I'm supposed to be. Mm-hmm. I am a, a, apparently a halfway decent engineer um, and a halfway decent follower of Jesus. Um, yeah. But yeah, that brings me a lot of joy, knowing that other people trust me sure. to do important things and oh, yeah, want me sure. to be in leadership roles in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, it helps me to be just content in that I'm doing. I'm doing the right things. Sure. I'm doing uh, things that matter. Um, Yeah. You know, and and then along the same line, too, the work that I'm doing, whether at work or at the church or at home, whatever it is, it's there's a lot of joy or I find there's just a sense of peace, a sense of sense of joy knowing that I'm making a positive impact. Oh yeah. And those things that I do, like the job that I do isn't for entertainment. It's not for, it's, it's bringing, it's bringing as, as our punchline would say, it's bringing quality water to rural America. Right. There you go. Um, and that means a lot. Yeah. You know, Cause there's a lot of, yeah. there's a lot of rural areas that wouldn't have high quality water. Mm-hmm. So, you know, stuff like that, it just, Making an impact, you know, and, and being entrusted to do a lot of not necessarily easy things brings me a lot of joy. Yeah. So That's awesome. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that, Eric. Yeah. How about for you? Yeah. Um, yeah. I would definitely like point to, I think I've told this story on the podcast before, but the night that I was commissioned as a provisional elder, um, a very now dear friend of mine named Pastor Dane Zacherson. Uh, pulled me aside and said, well, you know, we'll give anyone a shot, but welcome here. You know, mm-hmm. I was welcomed. I mean, <laughs> it may have been a very roundabout way. And he hates that I tell that story because he was absolutely joking. But, you know, the fact that and the fact that he was able to joke around with me, you know, mm-hmm. like I was I was included. I was a part of it now. I mean, I was mm-hmm. a licensed local pastor for a year. I was working towards commissioning. I was approved by the Board of Ordained Ministry after a very interesting site visit in Brookings. And then, you know, f- approved by the entire board. And then, you know, 
I was shook by the bishop and commissioned as a provisional elder, um, you know, and then, th and that just kind of continued to grow, um, you know, as, as a part of the provisional time, I have to go to these trainings every other, you know, every six months or so, uh, these provisional residency trainings at our, at our church camps, which were awesome because they got us to all of our church camps. Um, and it was interesting to go from being the newbies um, at those, you know, there's not a lot expected of you. You show up, you do the things, you stay out of the way of, of the, of the big kids, the ones that are, that are, that are preparing for ordination. But then like you get a chance when you're, when you're in your second or, and then your third year of provisional residency, you get the chance to welcome those newbies into the program you know you mm -hmm. get to be their community and 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 we have i mean this the group of that i went through with through provisional time with like we have we have formed such a strong bond and like <clears throat> watching how that has shaped me and and just knowing how knowing how much that means to me and knowing how much that means to them like that that has been such a, a such a joyous thing for me you know mm -hmm. to know that i was welcomed well by a group of clergy that didn't know me and could have just said, well, we're getting ordained. So we're not going to really invest in this type of a relationship. No, I was welcomed well by a group of sure. clergy and then turned around and welcomed. I feel, um, you know, I feel like we welcomed our, the new cohorts well as well in a, as well with open arms and included them right away. And, you know, there was never this real like differentiation between, well, I'm in my last year of provisional residency and you're in your first. And so I'm going to just not, you know, whatever, I'm not going to engage or, you know, whatever we do. We, we just welcomed people well and walking through ministry now with that cohort of people so well established um, has just been a really, really awesome thing. Mm -hmm. So, yep. Like even to like just today, I was on Snapchat with a friend of mine and, and that's a part of this, this, this group of clergy with me and like, she's going through some stuff and like, we were able to like reach out to one another and connect and, 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 and pray for one another and just be present in the midst of this hard situation. It's because we formed that relationship throughout the entire time of our residency. So, <laughs> yeah. How about as a pastor, when you, when you go to a new church so you've been you've been in canton for how long i, I moved in 20 so this is the middle of my third year okay yep. so at what point did you feel welcome here mm. or or what's that experience like at what point do you feel like okay i'm doing the right thing i'm getting that just that sense of con being content here again you know what what's that like mm -hmm. yeah oh, yeah so th that's a huge thing I mean, I feel, I mean, even at my, at my introduction, because there were people that I knew already, like, because I have a, a very interesting backstory with the Canton Church of, you know, um, my, the, my predecessor here at the church is a very dear friend of mine, and he has had me come down and preach a few times for him when I was still in seminary. And so, like, I didn't come into Canton completely blind. And so I mm -hmm. saw some people that I knew which was kind of handy. And then, you know, I saw some people that I forgot I knew, um, namely mm -hmm. a kid named Eric that used to sit in the yeah, back weird. Of, our, of our contemporary service at the Brookings Church. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, so I felt welcome immediately. Um, and the fact that I was asked really good questions during my introduction and like really entrusted with some information about the church that you wouldn't necessarily have given a pastor right away, um, you know, 
I felt welcome then. But then I think the biggest thing is when parishioners feel okay joking around with you. Sure. Like that's that's huge for me. Like that that signals a level of comfort where, you know, not that I wasn't myself before that, but I know that you get me when we start to joke around together. Mm-hmm. You know, like when the first time that Howard Paul said, Hey, let's go, you know, I'll invite you over for a beer. We can watch the geese crap on my deck. <laughs> I feel like I've made it at that point, in time, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and then just, you know, your dad and I now joke around all of the time, um, mm-hmm. you know, but yet in serious moments, we're serious with, with each other, but we have that, that range in our relationship where that's okay. I mean, the same thing with you and me, like, there are all kinds of inside jokes that happen off mic recording this show and mm-hmm. that get conveyed over text message or in other different ways. Like being in on that kind of stuff, that's that's just such a huge relief. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So I hate to break it to you. We're going to have to let you go. But it's been fun. <sighs> <laughs> Dang it. Yep. Don't worry. Heard here, you heard it first here. Storage room. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I've always. I mean, that's that's just got to work into that into your joy that mm-hmm. Jesus provides when you're when you're entrusted with such a big thing as you are. Right. Um. You have to question if this is the right thing to do all the time. I mean. Oh yeah. I mean, the questions have just got to run rampant in your head, like all the time. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes. The the imposter syndrome is sometimes really real because like for the I mean I'm a I'm still young-ish at 35 as a pastor. Like, you know, the number of times that that people you know, pointed out how young I am is in the fact that I'm their pastor. Like that's not lost on me the fact that this could have been a very different situation where they're not ready for a young pastor and you know, maybe I would have been packing boxes after a year of, you know, right. following more seasoned, you know, pastors, not not age wise, but more, you know, just in terms of tenure. And it could have been a very different story. Just that's all there is to it. But yeah. 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 I definitely feel like we've we've definitely found home here and we're definitely like we definitely know we belong. It definitely has been you know, a place where I have felt affirmed in ministry and hopefully, you know, the church feels the same way. So mm-hmm. what else did you cut, Clay? Um, let's see. What else did I cut? One of the things that I cut was the idea that the shepherds did not necessarily understand all that was going on. Um, you know, the angels came and told them as much as they needed to know to get them to Bethlehem, but like without very, very direct prompting mm-hmm. would the shepherds have gotten there. You know, like the angels left no doubt. Like the angels said, this is happening. The child is being, this, this, you know, there's a baby being born. He's Christ the Lord. He's the son of God. He's your Messiah. Here's how you'll know that you arrived where you need to arrive, where you see a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Like, even if they knew the Messiah was coming, I'm just going to mm-hmm. guess that, that this, this, is, this is not what they had in mind. You know what I mean? Like, they would have been looking for something fancier. 
Mm-hmm. A king, an adult of some kind, uh, you know, not a baby born to these very young parents and lying in, of all places, a manger. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no other way of putting that. That is a feeding trough for animals. That right. is not where you put a baby. That's not a thing that's supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder, I mean, I wonder what was going through their heads because that had to have been a very strange experience. And that's why they had to tell everybody about it because you're never going to believe what just happened, you know? Mm-hmm. Even if the shepherds didn't fully understand what was going on, they still went. And I think yeah. that's so cool because so much of our own lives, we want to be sure of our next steps before we take them. Mm-hmm. And they take this huge risk by going to Bethlehem and, you know, the, thankfully the angels gave them enough clues that they knew somewhere to start looking but how many you know how many how many how many stables would there have been in bethlehem it's still a pretty good sized place and there could have been a lot of confusion there um again had the angels not been as clear as they were um Mm -hmm. and they still probably didn't get fully fully get it until years afterwards but how cool is it that they trusted enough to make the journey in the first place it's all of Christianity, though, too. Right? There's so many pieces that we don't know, but we just jump in anyway because we oh, just yeah, know sure. we have that sense that it's right. And there's there's things in life that you just know is the right thing to do, mm-hmm. even though you don't know, you don't have all the pieces. Right. And after you've done it, you're like, man, that really was the right thing to do. Right. You know? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and again, that certainty, that that certitude, that feeling of peace that comes with that, that feel that feeling of contentedness, is squarely found in the person of Jesus Christ. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's how it works. You know, Jesus throughout his ministry showed us the way of how we're supposed to do things, and then you know made a promise to call those things to our mind by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's just uh, it's just such good news that that starts here in the Christmas story and then just continues throughout his entire lives and then throughout our entire lives. That's why this story mm-hmm. is so important. So what's next week? Yeah, so next week is another interesting week at the church. Um, it is our One Way Up Christmas concert. Uh, so during worship, there will not be an actual sermon other, other than the band singing, which is awesome and I love it. Um, but I will be recording a sermon and posting it much like I did this week um, to Facebook, YouTube, and the audio to the podcast. Um, and the focus is going to be on the fourth week of Advent. It's going to be love. Um, and we're going to be talking about how we ourselves um, spread love and show love in the same way that Jesus did. Um, we're going to be coming out of Luke's gospel again, uh, the story of the Magnificat, of Mary's prayer after um, Elizabeth greets her, um, after, after she finds out that she's pregnant and has had some time to come to terms with it. Uh, she gives this response that has been recorded in Luke's gospel uh, that we now call the Magnificat. Uh, basically, Mary lays out a uh, Mary lays out the way that Jesus is going to act and the things that Jesus is going to do, as she understands it throughout her throughout his life. Um, and Jesus does do all of those things, and it's all about lifting up the lowly and humbling the proud, and you know, just bringing justice and doing these wonderful things that Jesus does accomplish. Um, but it's bigger than that. Um, and as we show the love of Jesus to other people, 
we do it how Jesus did it. And so we're going to be exploring what those things mean in scripture, uh, what those things meant as Jesus lived out his life, and then what those things mean for us as we live in the light of Jesus' love as well, as we use our hands and ourselves and our and our whole selves um, to show the love of Jesus to a world that needs to see it. Mm-hmm. I like it. No. Sounds good. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us on this week's Cut for Time podcast. Join us again next week in church for the concert. Or for if you want to hear the sermon, join us online in our in our different places that we post those things. And then here for the podcast next week. Thanks for listening to our Cut for Time conversation. Join us for worship in person or on Facebook Live Sundays at 10 o'clock Central Time. And now go in peace and serve the Lord.